Good morning. Please turn with me into your Bible to Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father nor mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. Good morning. Welcome. We're glad to have everyone with us this morning. I'd appreciate it if you'd leave your Bibles open to Matthew 15. That's where we'll be this morning. Um, I have a sad story to tell you. I, I know some of you have been asking about the handouts, the outlines for the sermon. And I came this morning with a one to run off. And uh, what I learned is that the copy machine loves Sharon more than it does me. And uh, she's not here this morning. She should be back tonight. But uh, the copy machine jammed up. I may be in trouble with Sharon for messing up her copier. So pray for me. But uh, anyway, that's the story, and I'm sticking to it. Um, but I am sorry. I'm glad to know that they are some help. And uh, we'll, we'll try very hard to get back to it next week. Have you ever prayed this old prayer? Pure in heart, O God, help me to be. May I devote my life wholly to Thee. Watch Thou my wayward feet. Guide me with counsel sweet. Pure in heart, help me to be. Perhaps there have been occasions in your life when this old prayer has been your prayer. More holiness give me. More strivings within. More patience and suffering, more sorrow for sins, more faith in my Savior, more sense of his care, more joy in his service, more purpose in prayer. The chorus of another song asks us a difficult question. Is thy heart right with God? Washed in the crimson flood, cleansed and made holy, humble and lowly. Right in the sight of God. There are moments in our lives when we sing these songs and we offer these prayers when they mean more to us than they do at other times. There are times when we have sung these songs with special zeal and with deep feeling because deep down in our hearts we have felt a great need for God's mercy. In the course of the Christian life, we know times and seasons, occasions when our heart is not right with God, when it's not pure, when our lives are not holy. We're ashamed to admit it, but we have known in our heart of hearts that 
as much as we might want to be, well, we're just really not right with God. And for people who love the Lord and who desire to to please Him, our sin weighs heavily on our hearts. Especially when we consider what God did for us on the cross through His Son. Such times in our lives and in our Christian walk are not happy times. They're times of sorrow and disappointment and a sense of failure. We know, even as Christians, that sin can separate us from God. Sin can take over our lives and control us. And we know that if we continue in it, that we can be lost again. So we rejoice greatly that God in his grace has shown us how we can deal with our sins, how we can be forgiven, how we can be granted pure hearts and more holiness, how we can be right with him. How we can walk with him more and more in the light. There's a particular point in Jesus' ministry where he's concerned to teach his disciples about these matters and to give them the warning to guard their hearts. He wanted them to understand how sin works, where it comes from, and Just how serious it is, how devastating it can be for our relationship with God. And we find that occasion in Matthew 15, verses 1 through 20. Jesus' teaching on this comes in the context of confrontation, as we heard in our reading, verses 1 through 11. Jesus and the disciples are at a place named Gennesaret, which is on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee, just a little bit north of Capernaum. And while they are there, a delegation of Pharisees and scribes arrive. It seems that they have made the long journey from Jerusalem to conduct an official investigation into the eating habits of Jesus' disciples. And they demand to know Why Jesus' disciples violate the tradition of the elders by failing to wash their hands before they eat. I don't know how you read Jesus, but I'm just really sure that proper hand washing was at the top of his list. Well, Jesus does have an answer for these investigators, this official delegation from Jerusalem. But it's not likely one that they were expecting, and it certainly was not one that they wanted to hear. Instead of answering their question, he gives them a question in return. Why do you violate God's law for the sake of your traditions? Why do you violate God's law? God had commanded his people to honor their father and their mother, which in the mind of Jesus means caring for them when they get older, when there's some kind of need in their lives. And more than that, God had commanded his people in the law of Moses that a child who curses his or her parents should be put to death. Pharisees knew all of that. They knew God's law in regard to their parents. But with their traditions, they had created a loophole that let them get out of those responsibilities. 
And the loophole was that if they swore an oath, that everything they would have used to support their parents was dedicated to God, they didn't have to spend one penny on their parents. In fact, the religious leadership would not allow them to spend that money on the care of their parents. Let mom and dad starve, but you promised it to God, so you can't provide them with a meal or you can't provide them with clothes. Can you imagine? But that was the loophole, and Jesus is asking them about this. God's command, God's express command, one of the Ten Commandments, was simply canceled out by their tradition. And so, here the scribes and the Pharisees come all the way to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to accuse Jesus' disciples of failing to keep the tradition of the elders when it came to washing their hands, and Jesus judges them for violating God's law. Jesus' condemnation comes from the prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 15 and verse 8. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching his doctrine, the commandments of men. Oh, they sing the right songs and they have the right order in temple, but their hearts are somewhere else, far away. Oh, they worship. They, they, don't, they don't miss a Sabbath. They don't miss a holiday. They don't miss a sacrifice. But it's vain and it's empty. And what they teach are nothing more than the thoughts of men, not the word of God. And that's Jesus' judgment of them. And they're concerned about whether his disciples wash their hands. Jesus always saw the moment, the opportunity to teach, and he always took it. And here he gathers the crowd around him and he takes up this concern about hand washing which is really a concern about what it means to be clean before God, what it means to be unclean before God. A tradition of elaborate hand-washing had developed among the Pharisees and the scribes by Jesus' day. Their tradition dictated how they were to hold their hands and how long they were to hold their hands under the water and how much water they were to use. And what they were to do with the water when they were done. And on and on and on. There is a whole chapter in a book called the Mishnah. Which is the written form of the traditions of the elders that Jesus is talking about here. A whole lengthy chapter. Just on how do you wash your hands. How do you wash your hands. The Pharisees you see were concerned that. By some chance, they were out in the marketplace and they touched something that wasn't clean, that wasn't right, that God had declared unclean. And then if they picked up food and ate it, then they would be unclean. That was what they were worried about. Because being unclean meant they weren't right with God, that they couldn't worship God, that a barrier was created between them and God, or so they believed. That's why the tradition became so elaborate. You see, if you just keep building enough fences 
around what the law says. If you just keep building enough walls and you never, ever cross those laws, never cross those barriers, never cross those fences, then you never break God's law. And that's what the Pharisees and the scribes were doing, not understanding that that was taking them farther and farther away from God, not bringing them closer. So Jesus says to the crowd that is gathered, listen. This is important. Understand that what you put in your mouth doesn't make you unclean. What you put in your mouth doesn't make you unacceptable to God. Rather, it is what comes out of your mouth that affects your relationship with God. It is what comes out that is either sin or not sin. That's what you need to be concerned about. What they say, what they do, what is in their hearts, that is what defiles a person and makes them unclean. Sin is not involved with what goes into the stomach. Now, if you go out for lunch today and eat three cheeseburgers, that might be a problem, but that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Sin has to do with what is in your head, in your heart. You can obey all the laws that were ever written about hand washing, but still be a thief or a liar or a murderer. And that's the emptiness of the scribal traditions. So he teaches the crowd. The disciples listen to him and they they don't get it. They don't really quite understand what Jesus is saying. And so they talked to Jesus about it, beginning in verse 12. Then the disciples came and said to them, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind leave the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain. Explain the parable to us. And he said, Are you also still without understanding? Or as other translations have it, are you dull? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart? And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts and murder and adultery and sexual immorality and theft and false witness and slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. We need to appreciate that the disciples are really upset. They are really, really nervous over what Jesus has said to this official delegation that has come from the authorities in Jerusalem. You see, there were Pharisees and scribes everywhere in the land of Israel. There were some that lived in Gennesaret, in Capernaum, in Nazareth, in, in the Galilee. And they filled the role of scribes and Pharisees in, in that part of the country. But those that lived in Jerusalem were the big shots. They were the, the they were the top. And so when they journeyed out of Jerusalem and they went to places like Galilee, they, they were treated with great deference. 
and great respect. You went out of your way to honor these people. And Jesus hasn't done that. So the disciples are are very uncomfortable. What Jesus has done just violates what they understand should have been done. Don't you understand that they were offended when they heard that? I wonder how Jesus took that little bit of news. I wish Matthew, Mark, and Luke had, had taken just a moment to say how Jesus reacted. Do you, do you think Jesus even cared if they were offended? Well, Jesus tells the disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees, they are a plant that my father did not plant. And everything my father has not planted is going to be rooted up. And he warns them with great sternness. Leave them. Don't listen to them. Because they're blind guides. And if you continue to follow them, you're only going to fall in the pit with them. But old Simon Peter's not done. And speaking for the rest of the disciples, that he asked Jesus to explain the parable. To explain this figure that he has used. Peter and the others do not understand Jesus when he says, it is not what that goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out, this defiles a person. And Jesus just is amazed that they don't understand. How, how could you not understand what I'm saying? After all, he has just told them a short time ago that to them are given the secrets of the kingdom. That they've been chosen by God to receive his revelation, to understand his teaching. And here you are asking such a basic and fundamental question because you don't understand this. I know that kind of makes me feel good. Because when I study the Bible, there are lots of things that I don't understand. And if Peter and James and John could be with Jesus and still not understand, then maybe there's hope for me. With that, Jesus proceeds to explain what he means. When a person eats something, when they put it into their mouth, it simply passes through their stomach and is digested and eventually passes out of the body. That's, that's what he's saying. And then he gives a spiritual lesson of what he's trying to teach them. It's what comes out of the mouth, not what goes in. It's what originates in a person's thoughts and feelings. That makes them unclean. What we think about, what we say, what we do. This is where sin can start. This is what can separate us from God. This is what can make us unclean, can make us defiled. It is what comes out. That makes our life unacceptable to God. When a person's heart is full of evil thoughts and plans. Yeah, that person is unclean. That person is not right with God. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says that murder is a crime that begins in the heart in anger. Adultery, sexual immorality begin in the heart when lust is not controlled. And so does stealing and so does false testimony and slander and and blasphemy. That comes from a person's inner life. That comes from... Their thoughts and feelings. And that is what makes a person 
acceptable or not acceptable with God. Eating with unwashed hands, Jesus is so emphatic, is not what makes someone unacceptable. Again, somebody could wash their hands in the prescribed manner, say all the right prayers, use all the right amount of water, pour the water properly, and stand there doing all of these rituals exactly and planning to kill somebody. Isn't there a contradiction there? Isn't there sort of a problem between those two things? And that's what Jesus is saying. There is. You could come to the table with your hands clean and perfectly clean and tell lies and bear false witness. And Jesus is concerned to make sure that his disciples have hearts that are clean. That's really what Jesus wants them to understand. Jesus wants the words of their mouth and the meditation of their heart to be pleasing to God. To have a heart, that, to have a mind that they're not, not ashamed to have God see. To have a heart and a mind that please Him. To have things that come out of the mouth from such a heart that please Him. The Pharisees and their obsession about rules and regulations and the traditions of the Father had lost sight of that. But Jesus is saying to the disciples and He is saying to us, guard your hearts. Take care of your heart. Make sure they're clean. Make sure they're not defiled because that's what pleases the Father. That's how we stay close to Him. But how do you guard your heart? How do you guard your heart? How do we keep them clean? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, that, that part of the guarding of our hearts is something that God does. Because he says there that the peace of God is, is like an army that builds a fortress and protects what's inside, and our hearts are on the inside. But we're interested in what we can do. And the first thing that we can do is set our lives in a direction that allow the Holy Spirit to do His work in us. The Apostle John would tell us in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 following, that we're to walk in the light as God is in the light. That's talking about the direction of our lives. That even though we, we stumble, even though we sin, we make a mistake, the overall direction is that we're going to God and we're trying to live the way God wants us to. We're choosing a life that is characterized by light. God is light and there's no darkness in Him. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And the Bible says, you and I are light. So we need to live like light. We need to be light. Paul would say in Romans chapter 8 that we can choose to walk according to the Spirit. That's a choice we can make. That's something the Spirit will help us with if we make the right choice. We can allow the Holy Spirit to put to death the flesh, the rebelliousness of our hearts that causes so much trouble. And if we do that, Paul promises that the Spirit will transform us. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. He will change us into the image of Christ. 2 Corinthians three seventeen and 18. He will produce God's fruit in our lives. 
But but we have to set the direction. We have to make the commitment to be godly, to be God's people, to to move in the direction in our lives that is toward God. And if we do that, God will do the work that needs to be done on our hearts. Second, we can guard our hearts by actively resisting those things that we know encourage us to sin. You know, we really do not have to sit down in front of the television and just watch whatever happens to show up. We can make decisions about what we watch, what our families watch. We can monitor the kind of movies that we watch. I know a Christian lady who went absolutely nuts. That's the only way I know how to describe it. Absolutely crazy. Every time she heard the word Harry Potter, she thought that was the most evil thing that ever was. And I love this lady dearly. She's really a fine Christian lady. But do you know where she spent her afternoons? At the movie theater watching R-rated movies. And she never understood the problem between those two. We can decide what we watch. We can be careful about the kind of music we listen to. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't listen to rock and roll and those other kinds of, of modern singing and songs. Not at all. But we can be selective. We don't have to listen to everything that comes on the radio or on the iPhone. Books and magazines, the same thing. We can take care of where we're going on the Internet. We can be careful. And when we come to these things and they're full of of sin and we spend time with them, we need to understand that affects our hearts. That infects our hearts. And that's what troubles God. Paul warned the Corinthians, do not be deceived. Bad companions corrupt good morals. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. So to guard our hearts, we have to consider who are we with? Whose company do we seek out? Whose company do we enjoy? Who are my friends? How much time do I spend with them? If they're evil, if they're bad, if they don't have any interest in God then we need to think about those relationships. And whether as a child of God, we can continue in those relationships. A third way to guard our hearts is to fill them with things that are pure and holy. It's not enough to simply remove stuff. We have to replace it with things that are good. Paul told the Philippians to set their minds on what is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. Philippians 4 verses 8 and 9. And yes, he's talking about spiritual things, but there are things in the world. There are things in the world that can be described with those terms. Good things, wholesome things that we can take into our heart and learn and be encouraged by. The psalmist says in Psalm 42 and verse 1, As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. What better way to resist sin, what better way to resist our hearts being infected by sin than to devote ourselves and to be focused on God and to be hungry and thirsty for God? Jesus says if we'll do that, we'll be satisfied. Paul tells the Ephesians to put on the whole armor, the whole armor of God, so that we can resist the devil and to pray in the Spirit. 
on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. If we really want to guard our hearts, we're going to be people of prayer. And I don't mean just prayer at the dinner table and prayer before we go to sleep, but people who pray without ceasing. And finally, we can guard our hearts by doing what God has given us to do when it comes to sin. Yes, we're going to sin as Christians. The New Testament says that a number of places. But if we walk in the light as God is in the light, if we acknowledge our sinfulness and confess our sins, God will forgive. And Jesus' blood will cleanse us. And Jesus himself will be our advocate. And so the question this morning is, how is your heart? Is your heart guarded? Are are you protecting it? Are you keeping it for God? Or have you left your heart unguarded? Is Satan having a go at you? Are there temptations that are overcoming you instead of you overcoming them? Our invitation this morning, whether you come down the aisle or not, is to deal with the sin that's there. Deal with what's in your heart. Give a positive answer to the question, is your heart right with God? Because it can be. If it's not, God is, is willing to forgive and to make it right. So we invite you to set your life on a new course and to go in a new direction that God blesses. Is your heart right with God? If it's not, and we can be of any service, if we can pray with you, won't you come while we stand and sing?